he's like the pack. He's like the, well, yes. Yeah, they, they, they should go and live in a house together. They certainly should. Because the pack likes cutting things off the visions and... Well... Well, the queue. The queue. The queue. He's a bit of a film critic. He certainly is. So, the two of them... <laughs> that, that they do very well. Yeah, um, they would. Um, so, evening to the queue if you're listening. And um, Q, Q in the country. Hmm. Um, um, we'll have to go visit the Q, do a random arbitrary, yes, and tune his meters up for him. Do a random access missions. Yes, that's right. A rev. Random access visit. Yeah, he w- he was complaining to me. He gave me tings that he could hear the holes apparently, because. Oh, it's not very far away. Mm. And he was complaining. It, um. <laughs> well, he couldn't hear anyone else. <laughs> I see. <laughs> and he thought that that was a bit poor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Someone's going for a bubble and a boil there in Clashen. And he's known as. The, the Holes! What? 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 Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope he's got a dose of K disease by now. We didn't have anything to clean. Oh, here's a rubbish tin. Hang on. What? <laughs> right. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Mm. Anyone that doesn't listen to Two Meters Channel D won't know what we're talking what about. What we're talking about. That's how the holes comes on. What? You say something that's in the slightest bit um, vague or um, double meaning, and that's what comes back at you. You get a... What? A what? 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 In fact, you can... It's, it's very good. He's, he's a very good judge, uh, a what-meter of, mm. um, of how vague you are, because sometimes you, get, you even get two or even three watts. Well, that's, that's how you tell how strong you are. If yeah. You, if you get ten watts, well, you're quite strong. <laughs> but... It would have to be pretty absurd to get 10 watts. And sometimes you only get 0.1 of a watt. All you get is just... (laughs) 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 So you know you're getting It seems to be very not linear. You only get that effect when um, it's completely and totally vague. Mm, He's got some sort of power square, you know, square law. Uh, It seems to little rectifier diodes that measure the watts. There's some... You know, when it's super vague, they just short out. Mm. and It's sort of like my power meter. When you put in lots of power, it says, oh, nothing. Mm. (laughs) Ah, yes. The old square law meter. When will you meter? Square law. Mm. We're we're learning all about Legendra polynomials now. Oh, my my old friend Legendra. Mr. Legendra. I wrote an essay on him. Oh. I I think he's in there somewhere. I wrote an essay on And, and uh, it's very Fermo. bad. Look, we, we, we're not going to do a sausage about them in class. He's just thrown this massive bulk assignment and said, give this on the day of the, the ZAM, mm. and it's about 20, 20 reams of paper. Oh. Oh. Mm. Old, old imperial measure there, the ream of paper. Mm. Reams and reams of hot water. <laughs> what? Oh, that's what the K will be in. <laughs> yes, the Gondra. 
and legendary functions. Mm. And so, well, we have to do it all from first principles, solve the, the solve Legendre's equation using the method of the ordinary point. Mm. And, uh, oh, that's right. All well, this. Legendre only had a small part. No, sorry, my essay was on Fermi. But there was this guy, Lord Kelvin, yeah. who was brother of somebody else. He wasn't he, actually Lord Kelvin. He had quite an ordinary name, like John Smith. Mm, that's right. That he had... Um, um, he built all these machines for doing integrations and evaluating power series, all mechanical. Who? Lord Kelvin. Kelvin. Mm. First, yeah, well, I seem to remember. He had. He built an integrating pl planimeter for calculating when the tides would come. That's right. Because and they thought that was so good, they yeah. they gave him a. The government actually wanted it for calculating tides, and it was also used for astronomy. Yeah. And so on, so the ships could find their way. That's right. So he built this incredible device that would actually predict. You know, for years in advance, what the tides were going to be. That's right. It could. It, you, you just turn the handles, and it would solve elliptic DEs. Mm. And the, well, the other no. Well, the other thing that he built was this integrating device that could perform, could get the solution of series of um, simultaneous differential equations by um, mechanical integration with an accuracy of about one percent. Good heavens! And you know very high order ones, they had to be linear, but he was, yeah. when he died he was trying to work on non-linear ones. Good heavens. And this is, back, this is back in about, you know, 18... whatever it was, yeah. 1870 or something. Um, quite incredible it was. All these little balls and cones. Oh, wait a minute, aren't you thinking about Charles Babbage? No, no, he was the guy that... Um, With his analytical indifference engines. Yes, he was the computer man. I wrote one on him too. It's funny you should mention that. There were the two essays I had to write for maths. Oh. In a subject called History of Mathematics. Oh, that'd be good. Quite taming. Oh, we have to do bilge things like Australian politics. Yeah. Oh, Babbage, just the computers were fascinating. Good heavens. And this guy, at the end of it, this guy called Hollerith came along. Yeah. And he, he devised this brilliant system of, um, of counting the results for the, um, the elections. That's at the turn, right. At the turn of the century using cards with little holes in them. And people would punch the holes, and they fed them through these machines, go, all mechanical, electromechanical. And then he, he got together with some other guy and, and formed a machine called the... Uh, sorry, formed a company, rather, called um, something or other... Didn't it later become IBM? Yeah. They changed the name ten years later to the International Business Machine Company. Yeah. So we all know who he employs now down in St. Kilda, uh, South Melbourne. There. Anyway, um, we say evening to the... Um, <laughs> so Mr. Hollerith, yes, it was well worth his, his trouble to get his little automated um, voting, vote-counting system accepted by the government for that census. Yes, uh, Sorry, right. yeah, it was a census, not, a, not an election. It was the oh, census. Oh, incidentally, mm. um, in 19... I think 30... Um, one of the universities, oh, which one? It was American or British? They actually built up. They actually built Babbage's analytical engine. Oh yeah. Just, just sort of for a project. Mm. And they said it was an excellent machine. The only hassle was that um, to change the problem. Yeah, it's not programmable particularly. Um, you, you just have to rebuild the machine. We put different gears and things in, yeah, which is impractical because right. then they don't mesh. Um, the other problem was that um, 
anything that you gave it, um, any good mathematician could solve equally fast. It just took the labour out. Oh, it yeah. was incredibly slow. Yeah. Being a, a gigantic mechanical machine. Yeah. So that was the other problem. But the thing about Babbage was he had all the right ideas. And if you look at the architecture of Babbage's engine, you can even relate it to a modern computer, like it had a central processing unit. Yeah. It had input peripheral, output peripheral. Yeah. And all this grunge. Um, and as they say, the only thing where he missed out was that he was born 150 years too early because the technology wasn't available to support his ideas. Yeah, that's so right. It, it had to wait for... Um, the article I read on him that uh, he also, because he couldn't make his machine as standard bits, he had to invent a lot of the tools to make the bits. Yeah. Who was that famous mathematician around the Second World War who we all know so well? He was basically responsible for the modern computer architecture. Uh, von, von Neumann. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. That's the guy. They're still trying to, to build non-von Neumann computers. Mm, it's a bit hard. That, they just don't know how to go about it. Mm. He was quite brilliant. How'd they think... Well, a von Neumann computer is just so inherently slow. What process can we have that just inherently... Um well, the, the brilliant... See, before von Neumann came along, what they were trying to do with their... Uh, yeah, um, yeah, von Neumann, when he came along... See, they had all these guys working on pewter technology on the first valve one, yeah. the Univac or whatever it was, or whatever they called it, in 1945 or thereabouts. Yeah. And their idea was to do everything parallel. Everything, yeah. everything was sort of done in parallel. Like there were just looms, gargantuan looms. All the processes were parallel processes. Yeah. Which, well, they, so um, well, it was more like the information flowing through the pewters yeah. was all done in parallel. Good heavens. And von Neumann came along with the idea. It, was, it seems trivial to say it, but he came along with the idea of sending all the information through serially. Yeah. And everyone jumped up and down and said that that'll slow things down and all the rest of it and blah, blah, blah. But in actual fact, once he did that and generated the required architecture with the CPU in the middle and the peripherals hanging off and all the rest of it and yeah. so on, um, the machine actually turned out to be a far more flexible device and one which could, could be developed far better with um, existing technology and so on. And it just took off from there and since yeah. then the design has never changed. Well, basically, it hasn't changed. Well, let me see. Um, before um, ENIAC, we had Bell Telephone Laboratories. Um, when this chap came along and said you could use Boolean algebra to solve relay logic problems. Oh, that was the other reason why Babbage failed, because um, Mr. Boolean hadn't hadn't, hadn't developed his algebra, logic so there was no mathematical basis. Yeah developing the necessary... Apparently uh, Bell Telephones built up a, uh, a relay computer, just built of relays. Mm. What, after Mr. Boolean? Um, yeah, that's mm. right. Yeah. Some young engineer, some young upstart at Bell Telephone said... What, uh, called Mr. Boolean? Uh, not Boolean. He was... He became quite famous later on. He was an integral big man of Veniac. Yeah. But he built... But he built a calculator, yeah. you know, a sort of four-function super wizzo calculator mm. just out of a million relays yeah. after he said 
hang on, you can use Boolean logic to uh, solve for relay problems. So he went home one night with Solved a box full mathematical of... mathematical logic problems. With, ...with used relays and mm. said, ah, oh, I want to add some numbers. And so uh, he wired up a million relays and, and he could add numbers with it. Mm. And so he ran off to Bell Telephone. They said, oh, yeah, well, that'll, what, what good is that? Mm. And so he convinced them to give him a, so many so many thousand relays, and he wired them all up and made a calculator, which took... Did they say what good is that after he'd built it? Yeah, oh. and it took one second <coughs> to perform a 16-digit multiplication. And one second? Yeah. Take more than that, I think. Uh, but that takes, almost, takes almost that for a modern computer. Um. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it takes about 500 microseconds to do a software multiplication. Oh, software. It's incredibly long. Well, well, look, a good computer has a hardware well, only, multiply divide. Well, I don't think his would have, because it's only very recently that you've got hardware multiplication, really only since large-scale integration. Um, well, I don't see why you can't hardwire it in relay logic. Well, it's... I mean, what, what one of our projects was to develop a software, mo uh, sorry, a hardware multiplier. Yeah. And it's quite a bit more plex than just the general CPU layout of the thing itself. Yeah. It's really quite plex. If you're going to round it and do it all properly. Yeah. And allow space for the double length product and then... Like there's an algorithm for doing multiplication called Booth's algorithm. Yeah. Which is where you, you move the, the bit along, you move the thing along to the left by one and add it and then take the bit and look at it and do other things, then move it along again. And if there's 16 bits, you've got to do 16 moves. Yeah. And it's quite quite a long... Like, it's a, it's a one-page program if it's written in um, software. Yeah. And um, you can do it with hardware, but it's um, it requires a lot of registers. Like, it requires, you know, half a dozen registers, and one single... 16-bit register in, in relays would be quite a... Oh, no, wait a minute. What would it be? It'd just be 16 relays, I suppose. Yeah, that's wrong. Um, 16 self-latching relays. Mm. Chunk, 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 bong. All stored. I suppose if his device multiplied, it would either have to be have a permanent program in inverted commas to do it, um, or else it would have to be a hardware multiplier. Yeah. Um... That was the other thing about von Neumann, was that at that time, um, when they were doing the ENIAC and so on, they didn't have any convenient means of programming. That's right. They used they to go in the back... They with a soldering iron and a... No, no, they had rotary switches. Oh, it's They still didn't come through. Um, no, they had thousands of 12-position rotary switches around the back. So, um... And the concept of, um machine instructions hadn't really been developed, but, you know, it was just... computer was eventually put to as writing for World War II trajectory tables. Oh, that's... yeah. Um, I, I keep... every time you say something, it triggers something in my mind. That's why Neumann was... von Neumann was sent down to the ENIAC. Yeah. Because they wanted something for calculating um, tra um, trajectories. That's right. He made quite a point of that, that... Um, um, you know, as a theoretical effort for the university, it was at a particular university where they were doing the design work. Yeah. It was going along at a certain speed, but um, when the war came up, they suddenly decided, well, we need it.
exactly. And um, I think for some of the calculations on the ENIAC, the valve one, which had 25 million 12 AU7s in it or something, um, it's still... six SN7s, they didn't have 12 AU7s then. Yeah, double triads anyway. Um, it still I took... imagine that, all octal valves all going for a glow. But some of the calculations took about 20 hours to perform. Yeah, that's right. And the problem was that the reliability factor of the computer, since it had valves in it, it had about 20,000 tubes in it. It just wouldn't last that long. That's right. The average mean time between failures was 3.5 hours. Yeah. So, um, the only reason they managed to get the calculations out was just because there was a, st a statistical distribution of failure and therefore sometimes it would go for 20 hours without a failure. Yeah. But just the fact that they had 20,000 valves plugged into 20,000 valve sockets um, and all the rest of the... for a back of light and a carbonized... Mm, and, and all the resistors and so on connected to them and... It's just so... I mean, a computer bit of tar in it, capacitor, body tip dot resistors and back of light valve sockets. Mm, back in those days. And... Yeah. I mean, even my mixer, my mixer's only got five valves in it, and that goes for a crackle occasionally. And yeah. You imagine if you had 25,000. Yeah, I mean... Plus all those rotary wafer switches around the back. And just think of, oh, this is it, I, the ENIAC computer also had something like 10,000 relays. Hmm. Just, 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 just for effect. Hmm. Just to make it cling a bit. You could just imagine how much dust... Imagine the racket. And they had this gargantuan air conditioner <laughs> to keep the heat going through. Yes, keep it warm. Um, it must have been really something to see that thing operating, though. It would have been such a... Oh, just to walk in the morning and tune it up. Oh, what a thrill it would be to turn it on. Chunk, All this, um, I mean, I saw a photograph at the Smithsonian Institute where they've just got a tiny section of it. Yeah. And you've got all these racks and racks and racks of valves and relays. Yeah. And it's only just some small section of the calculating mechanism that they had. That's right, I, ha half of the thing that just, uh, what did they spin? It was uh, 5,000 valves just for 10 memories. Mm. They could remember 10 numbers. Yeah, that's correct, because of course all the memory was valve too. Yeah. They hadn't got developed magnetic memories. And I don't even believe they, they ran the thing in, uh, in binary, they were all decimal numbers. Um... I forget. I'm not that sure is your, your buses were were ten, ten parallel lines. Mm. No, and, I forget uh, now. Their values represented a decimal number. Yeah. And so, to store a decimal number, you would need ten storage elements just to store one part of that number. Mm. So to store nine, you'd have to clack over nine relays yeah. out of you know a possible ten. And uh, they thought this binary business is a lot better mm. in the end. Yes, I don't know. I forget whether von Norman actually came to the stage of doing it with binary. But uh, if he had, I'm sure they would have been doing all their calculations in binary. They would have been actually inputting the numbers as binary numbers at the switches around the back. Yeah. To do it and taking them out as binary results. Yeah. But sort of the number itself, it wasn't B, C, D or anything. It was decimal direct. Now, wait a minute. Now, you couldn't do it with decimal. Because how could you get numbers that wouldn't be multiples of 10? How could you get numbers that wouldn't be multiples of 10? 
See, with binary, you can represent any integer. Oh, but look, for one number, right, yeah. say, in a computer that works in decimal, to represent, say, oh, the number 9, yeah. you have to have at least 10 switches with, say, 9 of them all set up to on, and that would mean 9. Correspondingly, 1 would mean that you just have one switch that would be set to on and 10, um, you know, oh. you know what I mean. Yeah. Just, just like that, and that's why their memory was so inefficient, because mm. it wasn't a binary memory or even BCD. Because, mm. of course, with with BCD to represent a decimal number, you only need four bits. Mm. But this computer to represent a number needed ten bits. Hang on, what does these drop? Hang on. Oh, they've gone off. Who <laughs> just lived on? Who lives on this farm? Mm. And since 1965, has been collecting computers. Right. Oh, yes. He's just collecting computers, and he just went around with a semi-low loader and semi-trailer to computer manufacturers around the country, saying, do you, do you have a dead computer so I could have it in my museum? <laughs> what? And, uh, oh, well, look, because, you know, contracts would expire, like IBM, they'd, mm. they'd put in a new computer and they'd remove the old one free of charge. Uh. And normally, well, they just put an axe through it so it couldn't be sold. Keep talking back in a sec. And uh, so this chap just went around and said, look, I, I can't pay anything for because I don't have any money, but um, i just like to put it in my basement. So these computer people said, what? They said, what? And uh, gave it to him anyway. And so uh, ever since 1965, he's just been collecting dead computers and getting them going have to, and he has this barn just full of ancient bash computers all talking to each other of course the laugh of it is it is the laugh now of course it can all be replaced just by well one little circuit board the one thing that's I think of some amusement value is even these discrete processes made of transistors. Now, I don't know. Um, I don't know where Mr. Branch has gone. He's he's gone out to make a cup of coffee. I wouldn't say that's a very good idea at this time. You'll, you'll have to get up early, you know. You'll, you'll wake up at 9 o'clock, as I did this morning, and say, it's 9 o'clock. And then you try, when you're still half asleep, to understand its significance. And then it, the significance of the time slowly dawns on you. And, and then you go for a panic. Fluid personality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just getting a bit hot. Hmm. So I just went out and got something out of the fridge to cool off. I've got the heater going. The mm -hmm. place started getting super hot, so yeah. I opened the window. So it was about 
four square feet of, of window open, but still super hot. Mm. Right, it, it's a bit of a laugh, really. I mean, you just go to a junk shop now yeah. and buy computer bits for almost nothing. Mm. I mean, theoretically, you should be able to hook them all together after spending 10 years designing interface circuits. Mm. It sounds like that. It sort of sounds all fizzy and... Well, I bought all these extra browns just in case we ran out at your place. Ah. And ever since that night, they've been bouncing around in the back of the jub unopened. So when Beatty was here earlier on, I dashed out and grabbed one. But um, he shot through. I suddenly thought, wow, it's sitting there in the freezer. I'd better remove it. Hmm. Oh, horrors. Look at the hour. Yes, I think I'll. That's why I'm drinking it, because I'm, I'm sitting here sort of feeling relatively wide awake, so... Yeah. I feel like something to make me a bit sleepy. Oh, I had lots of sleeps this afternoon. Well, I, I had a really fascinating <coughs> dream, too. Oh, now what? Um, that I was in this city, mm. and it was a really taining city. It was full of interesting-looking buildings and bright lights and, mm. uh, and a million vision stations. Because I remember in this dream looking over there was this bash visions and every channel had something different on it. Mm. And uh, it must it have been the states. I, I don't know what it was. It really was taining and sort of went to the top of this building and had a look at the vista and it was all lots of trees and uh, it was just so taining. And uh, I can't make of this the vista, the view. Oh, fair, yeah. And, you know, you look at mountains and cities over the horizon, and it just looks so exceptionally taming, really pleasant. Well, the, the, the meaning of that dream, Kay, and is probably are, that... Just oh, a minute, sorry, before you start the analysis... Um, was I, I went along and asked someone what the name of the city was, and... This is what it was called. It was called Atomic Bonus City. Atomic Boner? Atomic Bonus. Bonus. B-O-N-U-S. Ah. So, I, I can't make of that. Interesting. Quite. Hmm. I wonder if that's a futuristic dream. I don't know. It certainly was. I mean, these buildings certainly look futuristic. Mm. Oh, well. Hmm. And one building that was of exceptional tainment's value, it was a giant sphere. You know how buildings are sort of all glass windows and everything? They're just boxes. Yeah. Well, this, this sort of building was built into a giant sphere. Oh. And uh, it was quite, quite strange because all the glass was coloured and sort of shaped to look like um, a map of the world. Hmm. It just looked complete tainments. So if any architects are listening there... Have, you been, have you been reading a bit of science fiction lately? Not or? at all. This oh. is why I can't make of it. I mean... Have you been taking... Have you been... Um, have you got any idea what might have caused the dream? It, it was... No. No idea at all. Hmm. Except... When, when I usually go for sleeps after field in the afternoon, they mm. seem to be more vivid. I suppose it's just because of the great amount of, of sensory input only a few minutes previous to that. Uh. And the fact that it's still light. Hmm. 
mm-hmm. and as such it was a very light sleep, usually optimum for interesting dream effects. Mm. But um, I found this dream exceptionally tainting. It's yeah. certainly most tainting when you wake up and remember them in reasonable detail. I, yeah, I thought, well, look, I'll have to remember this. This is just too incredible. Mm. Usually you sleep, you tend to sleep beyond the time where you dream. Yeah. So by the time you wake up... It's all erased. It's all gone for, a, for a, an EEPROM. Yeah. Anyway, well, log tape's right. about to run out. We've got about 60 seconds, 90 seconds left here. This is a complete fact, as I, I was only going to come on for 90 minutes tonight. Well, mm. you'll just have to get it out of your system. Um, 